Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Guillaume. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 101st official episode. Man, that's a mouthful. Now we're in triple digits. Um, it's like it's like the class. It's like this is this is space of four one hundred and one. More like more like NBA one hundred and one today. NBA one hundred and one. Let's start off with talking about COVID because even though it's kind of depressing, that's like the NBA world right now. It's kind of the reality we're in. I yeah. mean, the, the the worst part about this, I guess, is that I feel like the NBA is dealing with this problem more than any other professional sports league, and yeah. even more than college basketball. I, I know NHL actually shut down their league at least from oh, okay. uh, December 22nd to the 25th. I don't mm-hmm. know if their numbers were worse than the NBA, but they took that precaution or whatever. And so at least until Christmas, but probably beyond. Um, and so that set the precedent. So, But then on the other end of the spectrum, I think you have the NFL who said they're no longer going to test players who are not showing symptoms interesting which i kind of think is stupid at least on a surface level i haven't thought too deeply about it um but it's kind of treating like okay if you don't have symptoms then who cares go play um and so i think the nba is kind of trying to toe the line and we'll see which way they go you know a bubble just like we had two years ago in in disney world might be the results, or well, the, maybe they'll just power through. The good news is that the the NBA. I mean, I I consider it good news. The NBA has has just said in the last couple of days that like they have no plans to go to a bubble. So like the bubble is not going to happen anytime soon, according to the NBA. So we're at least many I still steps have reservations. Removed. I don't we're at know. least many steps removed from the bubble as of as of today, okay. right? And I hope that it I hope that it stays that way. The good thing about Omicron is that like. The hospitalization rate is way lower than it is than it was for the Delta variant, even though the uh, like the I don't, I don't know what the right word for it is, but like how contagious it is. It's way high. It's way more contagious even than, than Delta was. So there's an argument to be made. I think this is the way that the, that the NFL is looking at it, that a bunch of players in the prime of their athletic lives like are probably fine and are not going to get that sick from having COVID. And so the real risk that you're taking is like, the financial risk more than even like their health risk. So like by testing players and making players go into health and safety protocols, you're just losing a bunch of money for the league and you're not actually going to like, I guess the player gets sick. It like doesn't really affect them that much. I'm not sure I really buy that argument. When you think about guys like Jason Tatum that had to go on inhalers and, and or, or guys that are calling the town. Exactly. Like too. there are still players who get hit harder than others by COVID. And so just putting everybody at risk, uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure is the answer, but you could you could say maybe that like if you have a player who's been vaccinated who's taken the booster that they no longer have to get tested for example like that's one that's one way that they could that they could move towards if they continue to say to see that like omicron specifically is not that dangerous in terms of like hospitalization rate and how and how sick you'll get the crazy stat for this though is that right now a headline from CBS Sports that came out just like an hour or two ago is that there are over 70 players currently sidelined in health and safety protocols and that five games have already been postponed this week. <laughs> yeah, and I th- think the the first time games got postponed was 2 days ago and I was like, "Oh, okay, so you know, we're back here." Um even like right as we hit record, um my college Georgetown is about to forfeit a game to Providence for tomorrow. Uh, because we don't have enough guys. And so I don't think they would ever go to like forfeits at the professional level. Like they, no, they would probably yeah. just postpone. But I don't know. I think the postponing is even more notable than the insane amount of players that are that are getting COVID. But the, the big question in my mind is four days from now, the Christmas Day games. Yeah. Those are like definitely, except for like the NBA Finals Christmas Day is the most lucrative day for the NBA. For sure. Because they, they, they purposefully market it that way and scheduled like the best matches yeah. for Christmas Day. Um, yeah. But, you know, like Christmas Day, I don't like who who knows if James Harden or Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving is gonna be back. We might we might be seeing Patty Mills go up against like Malik Monk. 
yeah. on, on Christmas Day, and that's going to be the headlining game. And so that would be really bad for the NBA. And would that be worse than postponing the game? I don't know. But that's a calculus that the NBA is going to do. And seeing that on a, weed, uh, on a, on a league-wide level is, is a little troubling. And no, a little I, funny, I, I, but a little, a, little, a little troubling. You're right that like every this this I don't know the whole like last week or so every time I go to watch NBA on my computer or whatever yeah. and I'm like going to look at NBA League Pass I'll click on the box score before I start watching the game and like check who's playing because yeah. because yeah, I, before I put on the Nets I'm gonna check and make sure you're like I'm like I'm, I don't want to watch the Nets if Kevin Durant James Harden hey bro, Patty Mills the whole entire starting five yeah <laughs> funny story is the other day I was supposed to go to the Nets versus Nuggets game with my dad. Oh no! <laughs> and that was one. Of the, that was the one that got postponed. Um, that sucks. And Austin Rivers came out and said on Instagram Live afterwards. I thought it was really funny, actually. He he had but he had a bunch of gems in that Instagram Live. I don't know yeah. if, you, if you if you know what I'm talking about, but he said like the only players that we knew that were playing for the Nets were like Patty Mills and Cam Thomas or something yeah. like. Yeah, I forget who the two players. Were. But yeah, but he's like. Everybody else, we had to like come with a brand new scouting report for. Like in the NBA, <laughs> generally, you're gonna play the yeah. same wh- whatever few guys. Like those the same. You're gonna scouting report for the same starting fives and whatever. But they didn't know who any of the guys they're playing against with. Yeah, you have to like you know bring up records on David Duke Jr., who according <laughs> to ESPN is the fifth string point guard for for and start and for just started for the Nets right? and, and yeah, just started yeah. like yesterday or at least yeah it was like supposed to. <laughs> um, so. That's what's led to this new rule the NBA is implementing where you are allowed to sign one replacement player for every player that's out with COVID, and you're required to sign, I think, like one fewer player than you have out with COVID, right? So if you have two players out with COVID, you have to sign one, or if you have three players out with COVID, you have to sign two, and then so on and so forth, I think. Um, that does mean, though, like, it's leading to all these memes about, like, Every NBA roster right now, and it shows like a bench full of like the 2K like generated <laughs> players that are all like number 96 dude, 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 with I, a headband. I literally like, saw a bald. dude yesterday. I forget for which team he wore 97, bro. Really? He wore 97. Yeah. Um, and I know the Orlando. Ma- I was watching the Orlando Magic game. Uh, it was all. I don't know why I was watching, <laughs> but they they were like the the court was like the city edition court, like yeah. with the orange, but they were wearing their normal jerseys. And the the magic announcer said that they're wearing their normal jerseys because they could not manufacture the new jerseys for the new signees that they had to bring up like That's last crazy. minute. That's so, crazy. But but they had the facilities to to do the normal jerseys. No, I mean like so the the, the G League is about to be ravaged by this also <laughs> just because they're half the league that's to be brought up to the NBA. Nuts that there's just this outbreak within within the NBA specifically. Even more so like what you said about George having to forfeit a game like. At Duke, we had to reschedule our game twice. Still played it. This was just on Saturday. It's Tuesday now. So it was like originally against Cleveland State, and then it was against Loyola Maryland, and then we finally played against Elon because both Cleveland State and Loyola Maryland both had COVID within their organizations or like within their team. So like, I don't know. They, clearly, this is a problem not just in the NBA, but it's it's wild that it feels like half the NBA is like out with COVID right now, and all just like since the start of December. Yeah. Um, so. Omicron's going crazy right now. Put, put so, up, putting up MVP numbers. Putting up world numbers. <laughs> putting up world numbers. Awful. Kind of, kind of not a laughing matter. But not but, a laughing matter. But it, but it's rough. It's rough. So, our uh, our thoughts and prayers are, are with with all the NBA guys that are that are at home with COVID, uh, and we we hope that everybody's going to be back out in the court soon, and that we don't have to keep implementing new rules or go back to a bubble or something like that because. That Nobody sucks. wants to see that after a yeah. weird couple of years of basketball already. Let's move on though to a to a conversation that's perhaps a little bit more worn out than than this like new COVID stuff, which is just Ben Simmons deals. <laughs> Dude, Ben like it's been such a roller coaster. It, it's yeah. been I don't even know like when, when were the playoffs? The playoffs were like J- July or something. Yeah. So this has been a it's been a six month affair uh, since the whole thing started. Um, like we've we've seen countless deals um the one that has come up recently has been like i think and it, it, this has always been a thing but it, it gained tra- traction because the blazers are so bad right now mm-hmm. like would dame or cj get moved um for ben simmons um and another part of this which is putting pressure on the 76ers to make a move is that the 76ers are really good mm-hmm. um without ben simmons so maybe you think you have a shot at a title because you're already uh 
they're they're the the six seed and Joel Embiid has missed some time. So otherwise they would have been like the three or the four seed. And so maybe you you make a move just to get another guy because you're getting absolutely zero production from Ben Simmons. Yeah, and so the reason this is like in our notes in our in our episode plan is really because last week there was a whole bunch of stuff that came out, and so I'll go through some of the reporting from last week. First, Woj and Zach Lowe both reported that Dame remains off limit off limits in trade talks. The the Blazers have been pretty consistent about that, even though I think that Daryl Morey and the 76ers have been keeping their fingers crossed secretly that Dame is going to be available. Um, Woj also then reported that uh, on December 10th that there was a three-team trade momentum building around the Ben Simmons trade, right? So sort of like reinvigorating uh, these rumors. Woj pointed out that 84% of the league's, uh, league's players became available for trade on December 15th. Oh, because, yeah. Because, you know, like everybody who signed contracts this past offseason is now like eligible to be traded. So unless you're a guy like Malcolm Brogdon that just signed an extension like partway through this season, you're eligible to be traded. Um, Dame also, according to Sports Illustrated and CBS Sports, reportedly wants to play with Ben Simmons. This is just the latest of a bunch of rumors about Damian Lillard. But that, I feel like, like Dame just denies everything. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like every time a, a, a rumor comes out of Damian Lillard's mouth, he then later like retracts he's like, it. He's like, like y'all do he's anything like, for drama. So it's it's weird. It's hard to keep track of like what he's saying and what he's not. But this also sort of like stirred up the pot was that supposedly Dame actually does want to play with Ben Simmons. Meanwhile, this is all in the midst of the Trailblazers just having fired their GM Neil O'Shea. Um, so I'm, I'm forgetting what the what the replacement like interim uh, GM his name is right now, but. He's got this his plate full basically with with Ben Simmons Trailblazers um, rumors like all while he's not supposed to necessarily have this job long but, job long term. But if I may, we've yeah. also seen historically that when new GMs come to the helm of their new team mm-hmm. and they they do have some pieces. I again we we don't know this guy's name, but whatever the new GM of the Portland Trailblazers is, he did not draft Damian Lillard. He did not you know, draft CJ McCollum. He didn't acquire Nurkic. Like these aren't like quote unquote his guys. So he doesn't have any personal attachment to him. Whereas, um, whereas Olshi might. Yeah. It's, um, it's Joe Cronin, by the so way, jo- Joe Cronin. So Joe Cronin doesn't have any personal attachment. Obviously he's worked for the Blazers. So, you know, like whatever, but historically there's usually some more loyalty for the GMs who drafted those guys rather than they get fired. And then someone new comes in and, you know, maybe they're right. Like, that new GM wants to do their own thing. They want to build what they've envisioned for their uh, the past few years. I feel like the analogy is, like, when you're writing a paper, you need a peer editor because uh, sometimes because, like, let's say you're trying to cut down the word count. I always find it cut hard to cut my own writing because I'm like, I, I like all the words that I wrote. I'm like, damn, this is a yeah. good sentence. This is a good sentence. This is good. And then somebody else would come read it and be like, well, you don't need all three of these sentences. They all say the same thing. So I don't know. So like, so, analogy, man. Exactly. So so what's gonna probably happen is is when you get a when you get a new GM coming in and, and like new eyes on the roster, somebody's gonna be like, I mean, sure, that's a <laughs> that's a good player, but like he doesn't really make sense here. Like so, just like. When you're not, you're not going to be as in love with the same players if you're not the one that drafted them or traded for them, like yeah. you're saying. An analogy, or not an analogy, but uh, an example comes to mind is Elton Brand came into the 76ers and just, you know, like traded all their guys to get, you know, Jimmy Butler and mm-hmm. Tobias Harris, and then I think, I think he got fired, right? Oh yeah, for for Darren well, Morey. He didn't get fired. He's just like de- demoted, I guess. Yeah. Like he still works with the 76ers. Um, at the end of the, at the end of this, I guess sort of Shams has listed the teams that are interested in Ben Simmons as the Knicks, the Lakers, the Timberwolves, the Blazers, the Kings, the Pacers, and the Cavs. Bro, that's not news at that point. Yeah, <laughs> just, this but in, but I, the only reason I, I bring it up now is is because like if there's really what is that like seven eight teams that are like hmm uh, yeah we're interested like there are probably teams that are like on the horn like with the with with Daryl Morey like calling them up. Um, which kind of leads me to the question of, like, is the 76ers hardball working? Because very clearly, Ben Simmons' value is a lot lower than it was a year ago. Yeah. But I think even if his value isn't going up because he's not playing, as teams around the league are sort of like, 
I don't know, they're realizing things about themselves. We're going to see more and more players become available. We're going to see more trade rumors. Like, teams are going to realize things about themselves. Yeah, exactly. Pick a direction. Teams are going to start to realize things about themselves and then start to either be selling or buying or, uh, or like moving into full rebuild mode. And so, as teams sort of switch their direction, as you're saying, that's when I think that we could see a Ben Simmons move potentially happen because. The the years can keep up the demand that like the, the the things that they've been asking for, which is like this young play, this young star and a bunch of picks. They can keep up that level of demand, and eventually some team might finally come be willing to meet that. Even even though I guess like the the value of Ben Simmons won't have changed. It's just what people will be willing to pay might change as their direction changes. Um, and I don't know why this this pops into my head, but. I think it was because I was thinking back to how Ben Simmons for James Harden and like stuff, you know, in between yeah. was basically a done deal. Yeah. But the, the 76ers did not want to trade Tyrese Maxey. And now. That's the rumor at least. Yeah. yeah. And now you go back, you're like, of course you pull that deal. But then, wait, Tyrese Maxey is actually averaging 17 on decent efficiency as a starter. He started mm-hmm. every game this year and he's he's been like their second or third best player. On a, on a top four seed in the East, so shout out to him. Maybe, well, I mean, maybe, I don't know, I don't know maybe, second or third, because Tobias I, Harris and I'll, Seth Curry after Joel Embiid are both over Tyrese Maxey. I would say. I don't. I, dude, Seth I, Curry for efficiency. Now he's not his point yeah. totals are lower, but efficiency. Seth okay. Curry's Seth Curry's a monster right now. Yeah, but maybe. But he's maybe a starter. Ty, he's maybe, a starter. Maybe, maybe Tyrese starter. Maxey is also trade bait. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it's it's interesting. I guess yeah. So so what I'm saying here is like. The Ben Simmons situation, I think, from the 76ers' perspective, isn't really changing. Like, they're just going to keep holding out until they get the deal they want. Or at least what that's what they're convincing the league of. But what we are seeing is that the rest of the league is starting to go into, like, like teams are starting to go into panic mode and be like, damn, we got to do something, right? The 76ers, sorry, the Portland Trailblazers are like, man, like, we we suck right now. So, like, let's 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 finally, like, trade CJ, except, like, we won't just trade CJ straight up. Because that's, I think that's bound the table. We'll trade CJ, but we'll also give you two first round picks, right? I don't, I don't think, I don't know. If we'll get to that point, but that's what that's what the 76ers are asking for, at least. The one thing that's that another, one of those things that's interesting, that I think, is a deal that's become in talks that wouldn't have been before the season is De'Aaron Fox is out right now. May, I think it might be COVID protocols. I'm not actually sure. And since he's been out, Tyrese Halliburton has become the sole focal point of the Kings' offense. It's been a menace. People have been saying like, "Hold on, this is." Uh, there's been there's there's been comparisons I think on Twitter to the like Monte Ellis uh, Seth, uh, Steph Curry thing, which is like that's a little much. I and I think so too. I think so too. But but I not to compare Tyrese Halliburton to Steph Curry, but it's like and, and not to compare, like like who says like I, I'm not I'm not convinced that Tyrese is going to be a better NBA player than De'Aaron Fox. No, but but at the same time, you you wouldn't have said at the Monte Ellis Steph Curry thing that that Steph Curry was better than Monte Ellis at that point. It was let's trade the guy that's solidified right now for the guy that has potential, and let's open it up and, and give the keys to our team to the to the younger of the two back of the guy, two guys in the backcourt because working together they don't seem to be meshing all that well. It's definitely not a perfect comparison, but it's just like it's just funny that the people have been been floating that sort of on Twitter as, as like a connection between the two. But I do think it's it's noteworthy that. Tyrese Halliburton has been blossoming without De'Aaron Fox in the lineup. That last year, their net rating with both them on the court was negative. Um, eventually, you might you might start to think like, "Hey, we just we've already got we've got we've got De'Aaron Fox, we got Tyrese Halliburton, we have Buddy Heald, and we just drafted Davion Mitchell. Somebody from the backcourt <laughs> probably has to go." Yeah. And so, if it's really a Ben Simmons, if Ben Simmons deal is on the table, if you're the Kings, do you do you not start to even at least consider a De'Aaron Fox for Ben Simmons swap? Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not wrong. I would yeah. say. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing I guess I'm saying that like <laughs> that could start to shift around the league is like the Kings are like, well, like this isn't working, and like <laughs> like Tyrese is playing well without De'Aaron, so like a similar, is De'Aaron a, expendable? A, a similar situation to one we'll talk about later being yeah. the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, Colin Sexton mm-hmm. making way for and Darius Garland. Garland. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hit on Kyrie Irving's return. So. so from what I understand, what happened is he said he might be open to getting vaccinated in order to come back, but and but then, only like then, a plant based vaccine, which is which is also weird. And and so 
but then what happened is he still waited a few games, and then the Nets, like, just lost everyone on their roster. Mm-hmm. Like, Patty Mills fully Michael jordan it. <laughs> like, everyone else is sidelined. And so, finally, Sean Marks, uh, the, the GM of the Brooklyn Nets, says, okay, we, we need Kyrie back. Because originally they said, no, we're not going to have a player who can only play away games because due to New York's uh, city rules, mm-hmm. he can't play home games. We're not going to have have a player be doing just away games. The Nets were so short-manned that they said, fine, Kyrie, go play away games. And so as he was getting back into the team, I think he got COVID like the next day. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's... <laughs> Yeah, it was so. It sort of came. The series of events was like Shams reported like renewed optimism that Kyrie might return this season. Kyrie posted this sort of like cryptic video of of him like putting on Which sneakers. Is, I don't know that annoyed I, me. I know you didn't like that, but I, I don't felt... know. It's kind of interesting. And then right as like right as they made they make that announcement, yeah, he was put into COVID protocols. Um, Bill Simmons and Kevin O'Connor were just talking about this on the Bill Simmons podcast uh, the other day. Um, and they sort of talked about like what were the what were the different reasons that like you said they could have been this like 180 turnaround in two months that they went from like like putting the hammer down and being like no Kyrie like you can't play at all if you're not going to play both home and away games in other words get vaccinated to you know what yeah actually we need you on our away games right so what are the what is what's the difference and so Bill Simmons pretty quickly was like I think that's pretty suspicious I think that they're trying to turn Kyrie Irving into a trade asset. Because who's going to trade for Kyrie Irving if he's not playing games, right? Whereas a team like the Dallas Mavericks that's in desperate need of a second ball handler might be like, hey, you want Chris S. Porzingis? Like plus we need, the Texas we need rules are Kyrie super lax. Exactly. And so, and so Kyrie Irving would be able to play both home yeah. and away games in Dallas, whereas he couldn't in Brooklyn. So that's, that's one thing is like if you get Kyrie playing games, then all of a sudden a Kyrie trade becomes a lot more plausible. So that's that's what Bill Simmons was saying, and Kevin O'Connor was like, "Hold on, hold on, hold on." Like that could be true, I guess. But what seems a lot more likely to me is you have Kevin Durant, who's playing 37 minutes a game and coming off of an Achilles injury. Somebody's yeah. somebody's got Sean Mark. Somebody like Sean Mark's got to be like, "Okay, like this isn't sustainable." Like, sure, we're at the top of the Eastern Conference, but we are going to destroy our best player if we don't get him. Yeah. If we don't get him like a little bit of help in the regular season, like so he doesn't have to go pedal to the metal every single game, that seems like the more likely answer. To I, me. I agree because I, I personally don't think the Nets should trade Kyrie Irving. Yeah, like you consolidated your assets for a reason. Yeah, and then the the interesting thing about this is my brother said to me, I think he saw saw it on Twitter. He was like, the the Nets might be the first team in NBA history that would actually want the other team to have home court advantage in the playoffs. Yeah. If that's, Kyrie, assuming that's Kyrie doesn't get vaccinated, right? Because <laughs> tank, like, <laughs> tank, just, <laughs> tank just to let them to let Kyrie play four out of the seven games. It remains a really interesting situation, and you can see why. Even like on just like the away games, you would love to have Kyrie Irving. the 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 most likely answer for this seems to would, would probably just be that that and, and Kevin O'Connor kind of pointed this out was like Kevin Durant probably just went to the to to like management and was just like, all right, like y'all got to figure this out, like I, yeah. like like. Yo, you guys, you guys want me to come back next? You know, like after my contract is up, you want, uh, you want to go win a championship? Like this is this is the way to do that. Like Kevin Durant is playing thirty-seven minutes a game. Yeah, his most since his, uh, since his MVP year. Yeah, I believe in in 2013-2014 when he when he averaged uh, thirty-eight point five. That's that's crazy for a, for a thirty-three-year-old coming off of basically the worst injury in basketball. Yeah. And it's, you know, by by the way, shout out to him. Like, I'm the biggest Steph Curry fan, at least in at least in New York City, and <laughs> certainly in this and, room. And yeah. Kevin Durant is like probably my MVP right now. Yeah, and and he's doing a terrific job, but you know, like this isn't really sustainable if you want to keep your star player healthy. The star player who is also like a seven foot guard and has twig limbs, but is also the best player on the planet. So it's not an insult. Speaking of sustainable. <laughs> Zion Williamson, not a twig. <laughs> no, uh, let's let's run through the injury timeline really quickly. Media day. Come, uh, David Griffin comes in and basically is like, "Yeah, Zion got foot surgery," and everybody's like, "Like what? Like we didn't know this? Like, like where did that come from?" I, I remember Kenny Beecham talked about how he David Griffin released that information after the Pelicans had already sold all their season tickets. Oh, 
like that's smart. Prob- that's smart. probably that's smart. intentionally withheld that information, yeah. which like is kind of awful. But also the Pelicans yeah. have pretty bad attendance, so maybe it was New Orleans is a pretty small market. Yeah, and then so following that up, they the Pelicans originally hoped that he would be back for Game One of the regular season. Obviously, that didn't happen. The bone that they did surgery on ended up not healing the way they wanted it to, leading to a major setback in the timeline. He, but he was he was cleared for basketball activities on November 16th, but continued to have soreness. So on December 16th, he got a shot in his foot, and most recently on December 16th, they said he was going to be reevaluated in four to six weeks. So basically, we've gone from hopefully he'll play in the first game of the season to now we're, what, like a third of the way through this, this year, and it's still at least four to six weeks away that he, that he, that he touches the court. It's sad, man. Like, cause I was talking with my, my friend, uh, my friend Brody the other day and he was like, I told you Zion was going to be a bust. I told you Zion was going to be a bust. Like, dude, like he's still really good at basketball. Thank you. Thank you. He's still really good at basketball. And she's like, would you, would you call Greg Oden not a bust? I'm like, yeah, like not really. Like he, he was unlucky, but he was still, Greg Oden was like, we don't know if Greg Oden was good at basketball or not. Like, in the few games he played, he was good, but, you know, we don't really know. We know Zion's good at basketball. Exactly. He was an all-star at 20 years old. So, if, honestly, like, I am okay if this is prolonged. It's it's a little, it's, it's concerning. Definitely. Def- but the Pelicans' but. season is already in the gutter because they're awful without Zion. So, who cares if he comes back quickly? I just want him to come back healthy. And and while like again very concerning, I just I don't care because I know Zion Williamson is really good at basketball. So if the goal doesn't become let's get Zion Williamson back so he can become even better and get more experience and change that goal to we know Zion's good, let's just get him healthy even if it takes a year. I think that's cool. We've watched Zion play eighty five career games. True, the same and- number that Greg Oden played in his first three years. Interesting. I think like maybe three less or something. 85 career games. People at the end of last season were calling a, a Zion a top 10 player in the league. Just remember that, please. Like, yeah. like it is, I know like a lot has happened because of, because of COVID. Like in the last two years of basketball, we've kind of had like three seasons where like there was the bubble and then we'd like really start, like start up quickly. It's, there's been a lot of like weird stuff going on. So I think everything feels like way longer ago than it was. Like the Lakers winning the championship in the bubble was like a year and changing, like a, a year and a half ago, or whatever. It's like yeah, it's, that's it's not like three years ago. Yeah, it, it, feels it feels longer. Like that. It feels longer. So Zion being a top ten player in the NBA is like six months ago. Like it's not like a, it's not like that was two years ago. Like like yeah. please just remember that. Like as there's so much pessimism right now about about Zion, but like it, he's he's a top ten player in the NBA when healthy. He sh- he's 21 years old and should be in his third season right now. Yeah. Like, let's all, like, take a deep breath. Like, <laughs> just because he's missing a big chunk of his third season doesn't mean that his fourth, fifth, sixth, all the way up to his 15th NBA season can't be all-time great. Because when he is on the court, he is already an all-time great, right? Like, that's that's the truth of it. Um, I will say, like, I think Zach Lowe phrased it very well uh, on the Lowe post along with... Uh, Along with along with his guest Andrew Lopez, um, they talked about basically that LeBron or that his, that Zion's worth at work ethic to maintain to maintain his health at the weight that he that the weight that he hovers around, his work ethic would have to be LeBron like, meaning like like the the way that LeBron has sustained being six eight, athletic machine like LeBron's a big heavy dude high flyer, and has played in the NBA for nineteen seasons or whatever it is like. That's through incredible work ethic, not just like in his game, but in his recovery and in his workouts and all of that. And so essentially, Zach Lowe and Andrew Lopez were saying, Zion's going to have to have that same work ethic, that, that, that the, the, the LeBron-esque work, work ethic off the court and the behind-the-scenes stuff that you don't even see on the court that we just take for granted if he wants to have a long and successful NBA career. Interesting, because he does have the Charles Barkley times two build. And again, like I feel like we, we take the LeBron thing for granted Mm -hmm. because we don't see all those NBA players who, you know, like do like the regular stuff, but don't do 110% go all the way to like eat healthy and, and stretch and all that. 
And so, but, you know, like, I guess that's a character thing was on. Maybe it's a just, you know, like listening to people. Cause I, you know, like the NBA, it's such a league, it's such a, a, a moneyed league to where Zion can have any medical professional he wants help him out and probably charge it to the, the Pelicans dime. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, you know, like, hopefully he's, he's not dumb and he just listens. <laughs> yeah. I, there was the report from Jake Madison, from Jake Madison, who's a Pelicans reporter, that um, that Zion fell asleep in a film session and then skipped some rehab workouts. Who knows how true that really yeah, is? Because right? because that sounds very uncharacteristic of him. It sounds very uncharacteristic of him. Uh, I heard Jake Madison, like, you know, he's he's sort of a legit guy. He's one of the beat guys for the Pelicans. So like, there's not there's no reason. There's no past history of him just making stuff up, mm-hmm. but also his answer was given in, like on Twitter in like a very sassy way. It was in response to somebody so, else's tweet, like, not yeah. even like him like yeah. directly reporting. So I don't know. I don't know that we should read into that as much as people are. And it at the same time, that's that's kind of why I bring up the LeBron work ethic thing. Is LeBron is or sorry Zion like basically like the the basketball skill is like in in just natural talent is off the charts. All because in in like as long as he can keep his body intact, like he will be one of the best players in the NBA for as long as he's on the court. Like as long as his body is like in one piece, and so <laughs> he just has to put in more work than anybody else in the league to keep his body in one piece because he's way heavier at that height than anybody else at the, in, in in the league. Um, I do want to throw out there though that that Andrew Lopez on that episode of the Low Post dismiss the idea that, that Zion is still anywhere close to 330 pounds, which is, yeah, that's, that's the weight that, that he's rumored to have hit at some point this season. He came into media day looking heavy, but Andrew Lopez was basically saying like right now he's probably 40 pounds less than 330 pounds given 290 is still a lot, but that's a lot closer <laughs> to the Zion we would have thought yeah. of like at Duke coming out of college in the, as first overall pick, like generational talent. Um, I, I think we should, close this Zion thing by just saying, you know, like we wish him the best, Mm -hmm. you know, like great guy from everything we've seen off the court. And, you know, he's been blessed, but also cursed with a super unique body. Um, And so he's an absolute machine. And so just one day when he gets back on the court, we know he'll kill it. It's just a matter of when and just, yeah, I guess if that happens, but I I think it will. So. I agree. I agree. Like, like I said, like this is this is year three of what yeah. could be a fifteen-year, twenty-year NBA sure. career, right? For like, sure. every, a lot of things have to go right for it to be a twenty-year NBA career. But don't count him out in year three of his career yeah. after we've already seen the flashes that we have. Sports fans are very impatient. Yeah, and we just have to remember that. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the Indiana Pacers. There's been a lot of back and forth with this idea of rebuilding. Apparently, there was a report out that for a few years, the GM of the Pacers had wanted to rebuild the team. And the owner said, no, we're not going to rebuild. We're just going to be, you know, a four, five, six seed every year and make the playoffs in the East, lose in round one, but have like a solid roster, put fans in seats, um, not have any superstar, but have like a bunch of quality NBA players. Yeah. Kenny Beecham always phrases it as like, you can't be both mediocre and boring. Right? Yeah. And he says this reference to the Pacers is like, it's okay to be mediocre if your team's exciting, right? Maybe that's that's the Charlotte Hornets right now. Yeah. But if you're going to be boring, you also better be damn good. The San Antonio Spurs from the Tim Duncan days, right? So, like, you can't be mediocre and boring, cause that's and that's the zone that the, the Pacers have been trapped in. And I would actually disagree. I don't think, you know, like, five seed in the East is mediocre. I think I think that's good. I, I think that's yeah, satisfactory. Sure, sure. The but prob- they haven't been five seed in the, the East in a while. Yes. The yeah. problem is for the past two years, they've been mediocre. Yeah. Um, right now, they're sitting at, I believe, 13 and 18. Um, and because of this whole thing that we're describing, uh, The Athletic reported on December 7th that the Pacers were kicking off their rebuild, meaning that DeMontis Sabonis or Miles Turner, not both, but they wanted to trade one of them and then also maybe move Karis LeVert. However, since then, I'm pretty sure the, the owner of the Pacers has yet again said, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we're not rebuilding. And I think this is kind of just to boost, like, I guess the word would be morale mm-hmm. from the fans. Because the attendance has already not been great in Indiana the past two years. The market's not that big. And while they like their Pacers, I think they're used to them being pretty solid. 
and them not being solid and having a bunch of injuries has led them to not have a good attendance. And so this owner is like, hey, you know, if I want to make any money and not lose a, a bunch of money, I have to kind of market this team as not being awful for the next three years, even though yeah. if they rebuild, that will probably be the case. So I think what's going to happen is they are going to rebuild. They're going to trade one of DeMontis Sponis or Miles Turner, um, probably get rid of Karis LeVert and or TJ Warren, and then they'll be bad. And the only reason he's saying this is to put on a facade that they won't be. Interesting. I don't. It's hard for me to say. I, I can't disagree with your idea that like like from the from the owner's perspective, you kind of want to cover it up a little bit because even if you say we're in full rebuild mode, that gives the impression that like we'll just take you just take Devonta Smonis and Miles Turner, <laughs> just give us picks and like they're free. Yeah. Right. Which probably you probably also don't want to give out that perception either. Um, I guess. One thing, to get into some trade rumors now, again, the Kevin O'Connor and Bill Simmons podcast was a fruitful one because I'm bringing it up again. Um, Kevin O'Connor pointed out, and he wasn't like officially reporting this, he was just sort of like saying like like a little bit of word in the street kind of thing, is that the OKC Thunder could be a sneaky player in the Pacers rebuild kind of direction. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting because I, I would not have thought of the Thunder as buyers at this trade deadline. But I, I would I, they would love Karis Levert. I don't know well, if he wasn't would, even saying Karis Levert. Who's he saying? Demonte Sabonis. Mm, I don't know if I know. I don't know if I like that. And the reason he said that is because Demonte Sabonis was drafted by who? Oh, he was drafted by the Thunder. Yeah, yeah. and they only traded him along with like Victor Oladipo um, because yeah. like for for Paul George like because because they were like trying to turn their young young players into. Is that what the return was? It was. I'm pretty sure it was Victor Oladipo and, and Demonte Sabonis for Paul George. You can you can fact check fact check me on that. But why was he on the Magic then? I don't know. Anyways, that was before he was on the Thunder, right? Victor Oladipo. Victor Oladipo was on the Magic. Sabonis was also on the Magic. Man, no, was Sabonis on the Magic? Sabonis was on the Magic. No, 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 no. Scroll back up. Scroll back up. Oh, you can I'm see buying. the jersey. Sabonis was never on the Magic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. What? Why am I okay. Just- Go, go check there. Victor Oladipo's basketball reference too and check okay. when he was on the Magic. I'm pretty sure the trade was DeMontis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo for Paul George. So the only reason they traded DeMontis Sabonis as this young prospect was because they needed somebody to pair Russell Westbrook with who is like coming off an MVP like candidacy for a couple years in a row and were trying to be competitive. So they, they made that like Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony big three. So now you have a chance as you're, this, as you're the Thunder trying to sort of like get back into we're a youngish team that's also like pretty good pairing Shea Gillis Alexander with a pro- young prospect that you liked in DeMontis Sabonis. And as we've talked about in this podcast before, I've kind of been saying the Thunder have so many first round picks, so many yeah. second round picks. Like you're not going to be able to draft a player with every single one of those because you just straight up don't have enough space on your roster and you don't have enough developmental minutes to go around. So at some point, they're going to have to turn all these assets that they've gathered, or say price is going to have to turn all these assets that he's gathered into actual legit win-now talent. Otherwise, it's all just going to sort of like rot, right? Um, so when you see an opportunity like this where you have star players that are available, I mean, Donna Sabonis is, I think, a two-time All-Star at this point. Yeah. If he's just available in a fire sale by the Indiana Pacers, and you can snag him for not that much cost, why not? If you're the if you're the OKC Thunder, sell a couple of those first round picks that aren't even yours, and yeah. get back a player who's a guy that you drafted, a guy that you took a shot at, at on Paul George for, and and you know now you can just sort of like get him back. The I, one downside being ruins the tank potentially. Yeah, I I think like right now in terms of like long term assets, you have. Shea, and then I guess Dort. But like, inter- like I don't know if Lou Dort is like a part of your five year plan to be like. I, well, I think I think he's a, I think he's a, a five year part of their five year plan, and that he'll be a starter for their foreseeable okay. future. Okay. Is he going to keep getting way better? Probably not. But he's he, but he's he's a starter, and that he's like okay, one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, and can also yeah. score. Kind of like a Jeremy Grant on the 76ers tank. Like he was on that team for a while. Jeremy Grant, like like, like oh, no, I'm Robert Covington. Robert okay, Covington. you're saying you're saying Lou Dort will in, be in, on the on the yes. on the Thunder's tank. Okay, yeah. Um, and also to clarify, this this shows I'm nice with it. Lou Dort's young, also though. He's like Is 25 he? or le- younger. Yeah. Th- this shows I'm nice with it. He was Demontis Sabonis was drafted 
on draft night by the Orlando Magic and traded on draft ah. night with Victor Oladipo and Ursan Ilyasova um, for Serge Ibaka, which wild trade, by the way. Yeah. Like awful trade for the Magic because then like a year later, they flipped DeMontis Savonis and Victor Oladipo for Paul George. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> they really just traded like Serge Ibaka for Paul George. I love that like change in NBA history. Yeah. I love that's, that. That's yeah. terrible. Awful. Oh my god! Yes, yeah, so you wonder. You wonder about the magic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Another, another. I guess another thing that's interesting to talk about is like there are teams out there that need a center, and if you're really gonna let Miles Turner kind of like go out, go out into the market, right? Like he's a three. He's a he's a he's a three point shooting dude. Every team wants and, Miles Turner and best rim protector in the NBA potentially. Yeah. Center, right? And who's he's seven and he's seven feet. If you're the Charlotte Hornets, to pair him with Lamelo Ball and Miles Bridges, That'd be you nasty. should be blowing up the Indiana Pacers phone, right, dude? But also, like, as a Steph Curry fan, I w- I would give an yeah. arm and a leg for them to trade like Moses Moody and James Wiseman. Uh, I don't or. think the contract would work, but but yes, like you, and like, Curry's got to be like potentially put eh, i don't know about jonathan Kuminga. like maybe maybe jonathan Kuminga, if, if you think well, you, if you have to sell if you have to sell kuminga Mo, uh, moses moody and no it Weiser, wouldn't be all three it wouldn't be they, all three the, the warriors are not doing that would they do it for two of the three i think i think they should strongly consider it i also don't think they will and the reason for that being the warriors have i think at least if you look, you look back at those title teams they never once made a mid-season trade True. Um, and They've been pretty consistent in saying that like they don't want to trade Wiseman, Kuminga, Moody. They want to build for both now and the future. They want to pull those Spurs like, yeah, two two things, two timelines. I don't think once. they're gonna win a ring this year if they if they don't make a move. Yeah, I mean, I, it depends on how good Clay is when he comes back. Yeah, but dude, it, oh my god, if Clay comes back and they're already like well, the second best team in the league, and then they add Miles Turner too, that make their defense go from like good to great. And Miles Turner is twenty five. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he's it's not like he's old. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I, I would trade just like Turner for Wiseman. Well, I don't. If if the Pacers would do that, like dude, second overall. The problem is the money. The problem is the money wouldn't work for that because yeah. because uh, because Wiseman's on a rookie contract. Dude, I don't. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I would love Miles Turner on the Warriors. That'd be yeah. really good. Yeah. The other team is like if they can pull it off, the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, that would require no way they would. That would require them. Dude, they have nothing left. That would require them trading Joe Harris, basically, <laughs> hey, to make the money work. Hey, yo, David Duke Jr. looked great. And last then, time. like, I don't even know who else. But if you're just talking about teams that could use a center, Dayron Sharp. Yeah, yeah, dude. Oh, I don't no. even. I don't even know. But that's that, that's the other team that that's Paul getting Millsap. floated as like like <laughs> Paul Millsap for the rebuild. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, dude. The Nets are just. They're they're crawling to the finish line right now. The Nets need a center bad. They, they need do. a center bad. They do. If only yeah. you know, like you know, like a like a tall rim protector with like an afro who plays in Cleveland. <laughs> if only Jared Allen was back on that team and they didn't trade him away. Let's while, while we're on the topic, let's let's sit on the Cavs, dude. So the Cavs, present day, are sitting at. 19 and 12 third in the east third in, third in the east like if you if you saw this coming no you didn't <laughs> no you did, you, did, you did not see no, this coming and by the way by the way like if you had told me that cleveland would be 19 and 12 in the third scene of the east i was like oh colin sexton's an all-star is it like he's you know he must be averaging like 26 a game colin sexton is out for the year yeah and he, and he has not really been in their crunch time lineups regardless so he is not the reason that they're winning. The reason they're winning is because, well, one, team effort. I think just everyone's buying in. Everyone's playing their role. Everyone's executing their role to perfection. And two, uh, Darius Garland, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley are just leading the charge. Yeah. Defensively, the two big thing, uh, the two big men thing uh, with Jared Allen and with rookie Evan Mobley is totally working. You cannot walk into the paint against this Cleveland Cavaliers team. Your shit will get sent to the fourth row. And then on the offensive end, I feel like it's not any one person in particular. It's just everyone's everyone's kind of just doing their thing. And and it's it's working well. Ricky Rubio is having quite the resurgence. Kevin Love is no longer, you know, throwing hissy fits on the sideline. He's he's, you know, like just being a solid guy. He's averaging uh twelve and seven rebounds. And he's shooting the three ball um, pretty well. 
listen, listen to these advanced stats real quick. Cleveland Cavaliers, second in defensive rating, fourth in net rating, fourth in assist percentage. Like that's perfect just, basketball. That's a, yeah. That's a coach's dream. And 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 while we were while you're talking about Ricky Rubio, I already I already talked a little about the one time that he just like torched the Knicks. Then that was like the, the, one of the craziest <laughs> like moments nine, of my basketball my basketball viewing experience. Awful. Um, why the hell did no one else pick Ricky Rubio up? Boston Celtics. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to oh, you, Boston dude, Celtics. That's bro. true. That's true. Because the Celtics need a point guard. Okay, this is a tangent. We'll get back to the Cavaliers after I go on this little tangent. The Celtics have had they had Kyrie Irving, then Kemba, and now Dennis Schroeder yeah. to go alongside Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. All three of those guys are score first point guards. Yeah. Just try once, Boston Celtics. I'm begging you. I'm begging you. It used to be Danny Ainge, now it's Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens, I'm begging you. Try a facilitator. Just find yeah, just 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 find a facilitating point guard. Because like part of the reason that I think that, that every shot Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown take is like a difficult shot, and even if it goes in, every shot they take is just yeah. hard. Yeah. Is because they don't have anybody to like create for them. Like they, everything that the Celtics create is like forced between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Like there's just nothing oh natural gosh. about it. And so that's the reason, like, you have two of the top maybe twenty players in the NBA, uh both are probably under twenty they're twenty six or under probably. Um, yeah. Why the hell are like why the hell are the Celtics like so like stuck? I think that's I think it's a big part of the reason it, it, why it is, is bizarre. like it's bizarre. Ricky Rubio like should be like <laughs> like how did how did you just let Ricky this man's on a different team every single year like how did he end up in the Cavs bro how are teams not like begging on their knees like like Ricky Rubio we'll pay you thirty million a year bro stop, just stop. like <laughs> see Glenn deep breaths you're signing Rubio to the max. Bro. Like like Ricky Ricky Rubio wherever he goes is just like a better team because of it yeah and that's right true. and it's I don't know so so that's both like Celtics what are you doing and also like shout out to the Cavs because Ricky Rubio would just like make you a better team the it's contagious the way that like he moves the ball and like the the effort yeah. he brings whatever we we finally saw Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love together on a winning team. Because if you remember, way back in the day, they were both on the god awful Timberwolves teams. Yeah, like they were the only two good players. I think that was back when Ricky. I'll look it up. I think Ricky Rubio averaged like eleven assists per game back then. Like it was, it was something crazy. No, like um, he, he averaged like like nine nine a game. Nine point one is career yeah, high. Yeah, during those years, like you and he was widely regarded as like one of the best passers in the league. Yeah, well, he was a. High, this man was drafted over Steph Curry, so... Oh, that is true. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> but part of the reason we, we bring up we bring up the, the Cavs is, is you want to talk about whether they deserve two All-Stars. Because, dude, like... He's third in the East. Like, on the one hand, you know, good for you. On the other hand, like, Darius Garland is averaging 19-7. and seven. Jared Allen is averaging 17-11 and being a Defense Player of the Year candidate. And then th- th- those would be the two guys. Yeah. I don't like, I can't point to either of those guys and be like, yeah, yeah, you've, you're having a better season than like, I don't know who's going to be the fringe all star, but let's say, I don't know, like Jalen Brown. Like, neither of those guys are better NBA players than Jalen Brown. No. But that's not necessarily what being an all star means. True. But I don't think they've like performed yeah. better than Jalen Brown either. Like, Let's let's check. Like James Harden is averaging twenty one, almost ten, and eight. Well, like, the, the those Nets are... will have two All Stars. The Nets will have James Harden and Kevin Durant. Okay, I, I think Top you're gonna like. East. I think you're gonna fill up some spots at some point. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like they'll they'll take. I don't know. Like like the, Demontis Sabonis's spot. So I don't think I don't think I don't think necessarily that the that the Cavs deserve two All Stars. I do think that they deserve a one. Right, and you could take your pick out of the two. I'm I would probably go Jared Allen right now. Um, <sighs> Interesting. But I don't know. Like we'll, we'll we'll see. I don't I don't know that they get two that they get two all stars. Although teams that are third in the East definitely like it's 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 not a hard argument to make that a team that's third in the East deserves two all stars. I guess it's as in a team that's ninth in the East right now in the Boston Celtics. A little bit hard to argue that they should have two all stars in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But even though those guys so are both top are, heavy, those guys are both all stars like straight up. Yeah, like. They're all-star caliber players. It's a little bit hard to argue that they deserve two all-stars. It's not hard to argue that the team that's third in the East should get two all-stars. But we'll see if it actually happens. I don't know. Like, they... they uh, yeah, I would choose, like, Garland and or um, 
Allen over like a Chris Middleton who's averaging 18, 6, and 5, and he's, you know, missing time. Also, one thing that we could look out for is All Stars getting COVID. Yeah. So they're, because every year there's usually like one or two injury replacements. And so, you know, they get the nod of All Star. But this year, who knows? It could be like, it could be five, it could be six. And so that'd be kind of fun, but it might also water down the title of All Star. Yeah, well, well, they might have to just, like, in that case, move the All-Star game to the end of the season or something. Instead of making the All-Star like the break, yeah. right, you, you you cut the All-Star break, you make that a time for for teams to play some of their postponed games, you move the All-Star break to right before the playoffs, something like that. I don't know if that even works, because I, no. I do know that the schedule right now for the NBA is tight. Like, they've already yeah. planned... Well, the thing they did last year was they only planned the first 41 games and then planned, like... Or planned the first half of the season. It was 72 games. It was weird. They played the first half of the season and then waited to, to schedule the, the second half of the season to see how the first half of the season went. They've already planned all 82 games and the playoffs. So whatever schedule they, they make, like these postponed games and whatever, they like don't have space for. It means that the teams are going to have to play like back to, they're going to play like extra back-to-back stuff probably, which is just brutal. But I, I think the NBA should have just cut the season down a little bit. I think they should have played 72 again. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we'll see. Like Maybe... There's a chance like the the postponed games like will just never get played. Yeah, and that there's there's a real conversation like maybe that's the best that's the best approach, and then you just have to do it based off win percentage, even though it's kind of unfair to some teams. Yeah, it, yeah, right? it is because like also the team that gets postponed against the Pistons like that would yeah. have been a win. Yeah, but it's not. Whereas a team is lucky that they would you know skip a game against you know the the Suns. And I think the reason that they're instituting this rule that's requiring you to sign a certain number of players is so that no team goes below the like eight required players yeah. on your roster thing. And so if you always ha- are signing three players, if you have four out or whatever it is, then hopefully you'll always just have eight, eight active guys and can always play the game. And therefore, like we won't have to postpone any more games, even if we end up seeing rosters that are all 2K auto-generated <laughs> guys, like we were saying. I don't know. It's rough out there. It's rough out there. Dude, it is rough out there. But and it's been it's been such a fun NBA season too. So I I really hope that like we don't see, I don't know, it's don't see it go down to COVID again. But yeah. Um, but anyways, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space Floor NBA Podcast. We hope yeah. you enjoyed. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to us on YouTube. And we're also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify for you to listen. And thank you so much. My name is Connor Gillen. And I'm Connor Flattery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to Jared Allen's Afro. Shout out to Al Horford's sister on Twitter. No. (laughs) No.